Welcome in. It's another edition of the Doyle and Derek podcast, Indie Star Sports, IndyStar.com. I'm your host, Derek Schultz. Afternoons, Fox Sports 1260 here locally. Quarry and Schultz from 3 to 7, but the big star of the show is the fashionably clad Greg Doyle today. I like it. You had the bubble vest on. You've got like the little half zip knit sweater. Bubble vest? The, the, yeah, what, what you were wearing today, the, the puffer vest. Is it pu- Those weren't puffs. Those were pecs. Yeah? Yeah, those were pecs, baby. <laughs> what, do, what do you call that? You don't no call idea. it a bubble vest or anything? I call it a vest. I've never heard the word bubble before. Do you call this beanie or toboggan or everyone's got their own word for these knit hats? Um, I, I don't know. Uh, all I know is it, it's it's salvation because when you're bald and you wouldn't know, but when you're bald, if the temperatures blow sixty, your head's cold. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm not trying to look like the edge and oh the edge. You're wearing your you know no no your beanie whatever. I'm wearing it because my head's cold. So and it's an indie star one. You might notice I go through these like uh, yeah. I lose them all the time. I have no idea why I lose my indie star hats, but this is like my ninth one. <laughs> is there just a big box of them? You just go and replace it whenever you lose it. Yeah, it's in my living room. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I took the beard off for our house. Halloween costumes, and I'm that freaking thirty degree. Out, by the way, freaking it, it's me weird. Out. It is weird. I hate it. Uh, that thirty degree air, you know, gusting when you're used to having a beard, it sucks. So I can't even imagine what a bald head is like. On your Twitter feed, I don't know if I'm just noticing it or if you you repinned it, but your pinned tweet is your reaction to the Colt McCoy fourth down snap. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, that, Col- the Colt Anderson and all that. I'm yeah, sorry, Colt yeah. Anderson. Has that always been your pinned tweet, or yeah, did you- I just. Okay, I, I did that a couple of years ago and just kind of left it up there. I finally but. looked at it. <laughs> I finally noticed. You know, I don't look at pinned tweets. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm conditioned to go down, but I that's brilliant. I, yeah. I realize it's two years late and everybody knows yeah. what we're talking about, and I'm late to the show. But that was I was chuckling. I don't laugh out loud by mm. myself. I, I I never laugh out loud. <laughs> I was laughing out loud looking at that. Well, I had that idea, and the first thing I woke up that morning, it was right after the the f- failed fake punt against the Patriots, was all of you guys remember. And I turn to my wife and I go, hey, are you awake? And she's like, yeah, what is it? And I said, I need you to film me in the shower right now. I've got a great idea. And she's like, uh, okay, this is a little weird. And, and that's what that scene was with me with the hair and the whole deal. But um, yeah, it's fun. I, I like doing those videos every once in a while. I'm glad that we got in here to record the podcast because we were having some problems with the door. So I'm happy that we're uh, we're here to talk about. Are, are we? Is that all you're going to say about the door? Is that a prank? <laughs> am, I, am I supposed to throw myself under the bus now? You thought your key card didn't work. But it turned out that the door was an open indoor and not a open out door. I will tell you this. My so. key card did not make the door open out. It didn't do that. Yeah. And then I, I look at my bosses. They're like, hey, can can you get us in the room? And Derek's the one that says, does it open in? Mm-hmm. like, oh, shut up, Derek. Like, I don't know what they teach you down there in Gainesville, but uh, <laughs> need to work on that. Uh, look, not, not a pretty performance for the Colts. Again, kind of the same thing as last week, right? Ugly game against Denver. You escape with the win. Ugly game against Pittsburgh. You're not able to escape. And, Greg, you and I have talked about this. If you keep putting yourself in these situations where you're playing with fire, you're going to get burned. And I just think they got burned. I thought they got burned by a lesser team. I mean, I know that Brissett got out, but I I thought, and I think you agree with me, I thought the Colts clearly were the better team on Sunday. They had no business losing that game. Brissett was out, true, but Brian Hoyer is greater than Mason Rudolph. Mm -hmm. He just is. And the Steelers, their receiving core is not very – yes, the Colts are better – they're better than the Broncos, and you, you you keep coming down to a last second kick. You're not going to make them all, and bless his heart with this kicker, you know you're not going to make them all now. And oh my gosh, was that peak Vinatieri or what? That game was so weird. That ending was so cataclysmic. The whole thing was so crazy. There are a million things that have never been written about by that game because the great things are weird things, but just there's no time because there's so much crap going on. 
Yeah, Most of it bad. And a, a lot of it was bad on both sides. I mean, it was just a poorly played game. It was a poorly officiated game. I thought the some of the calls were just brutal. The one on Okariki. Oh, that was terrible. Was awful. Terrible. And, you know what? And I know that we're in Indy and we're, you know, people want to see the Colts do well. I thought that P.I. on Pascal, I mean, he Manute Bowl wouldn't have caught that ball. It was like 20 yards over his head, and I thought that that was kind of a gift too. But that's the way. Across the board, the NFL officiating is kind of a joke. Let's start with Vinatieri because I feel like I wanted to defend him a little bit in the sense that I don't think that there were a lot of issues with that game. The only unit that really I thought played fairly well was the defense. I thought the offensive line was awful. Darius Leonard's head was in the clouds. Uh, the penalties, the sloppiness, special teams has continued to be a train wreck. I don't think that was all on Vinatieri like the Chargers game was all on Vinatieri. Um, but that said, Greg, do you have a problem with the Colts kind of brushing this off as a non-issue? Like yeah. saying fluke and things like that? Yeah, all the confidence in the world in Adam is what Frank Reich said yeah. Monday. And if you have all the – and we all like Adam. It's like, it feels like we're talking about Pagano now. We all like him, but – yeah, and that's not fair to Adam. But uh, if you have all the confidence in Vinatieri after he, – when he leads the league and missed kicks, he's missed 10. No one's missed more that many kicks. Five, five extra points. Five extra points. Five. And we're, we are not giving him a free pass on the extra point that was blocked. A lot of times a field goal gets blocked and you know you don't ever know if it was going to be made or not. This one wasn't going to be made because he was an extra point and he didn't have the elevation to get it over a guy that wasn't jumping. Mm-hmm. Hayward, Cameron Haywood blocked, blocked it. He's 6'5", so he's big. But he's 6'5", at the line of scrimmage, not jumping, and he blocked it. That's on the kicker for not getting the ball high enough. So, yes, you can't have all – you can't have – any of the confidence in the world in your kicker right now. What do you think the future holds for him? Clearly the Colts are going to uh, stick with him, but um, is this just going to have to be a sometimes he's good, sometimes he's bad sort of thing, and you just never really know what you're going to get with Vinatieri? I mean, do you feel confidently either way that he can bounce back from this or that this is just going to be what it is? This this past game was – I mean, this was his – you could say – I will say this was his worst game because – the extra point was never had a chance. I mean, you've got to get that ball more. I mean, that, that's just – that an NFL kicker doesn't kick. An, an NFL kicker apparently can miss an extra point. It happens. Yeah. You, you, wide left, wide right by a few feet, it happens. But if you don't even get the ball up high enough, you didn't you give it a chance. And then in the same game, and the, the, the laces, and I wrote about the laces and how, you know, I'm not sure – and I never said I never absolved Benetari from missing that kick. People who didn't read the story, it's on you if you think I did. I didn't absolve him. I did point out there's a lot going on here. And the laces were clearly staring him in the face, and we, we all know that's a bad thing. So I don't know, but whether it was seeing the laces like that or just being in a bad spot anyway, he pulled that, that. That was his worst miss of the year. I mean, it started bad left and then hooked. Like that was that's a shot that on the golf course you broke someone's window off the fourth tee. Yeah, you know, I mean, you that wasn't even like you're not debating is that in bounds. You're just dropping another ball and hoping you don't get arrested for breaking someone's window. So that was a terrible kick. That was his worst game yet. And it may long story to make me say, I wonder where his head is when he misses that kick that badly, unless the laces did it to him. And I don't know. I just don't know. And, and Pat McAfee is obviously an expert. He did this professionally for 10 years. And he said that the laces were the reason why it went that way. Um, but I don't think it took a kicking expert to know that it just didn't look right. Like the divot that he took up on the ground. It, it just didn't look like – we'll never know, right, Greg? I mean, laces out, laces in, whatever it was. If it was a perfect hold and a perfect snap, would Vinatieri have made it? I have no idea. Here's what we um, need to know. I'm but, sorry. But, 
you know, McAfee, whatever, you know, for whatever it's worth, he's the expert far more than I am, and he said that it wasn't. But I expect him to go to bat for his friend and former teammate. Well, you know, if the if the exact moment of contact, like a baseball pitcher, if he puts just a little bit of Vaseline on the on the you know the laces of a ball, the ball goes nuts. Yeah. If the exact moment of contact, his foot hit the laces in just a way that it veered off his foot to the left. I mean, it could be. I mean, mm-hmm. Lord knows, I don't know. It could be. And I, I do what I wish, and I'm not excusing the miss. I'm just saying I don't know. And, and anybody out there says they know, you don't know either. But I wonder about that divot that we saw. I wonder, because if you watch a golf swing in slow-mo, they always hit the grass right behind the ball. You're right. Um, just barely. Now, if you hit it three inches behind the ball, that's fat. But they hit it just barely, and maybe the grass in Pittsburgh is taller than normal. Maybe you're supposed to, as you drive down through the ball, you, you graze the top of the grass. Because it wasn't like the ball. What we can't say is that ball never had a, never went 40. I mean, the ball went 60 yards. It did. So I, I don't know that hitting the grass, I don't know that it didn't affect it. I don't know that it did. I'll take McAfee's word for it, I guess. But it just to me, it didn't look right. Like, none of that looked right. The, the hole didn't look right. The kick didn't look right. Um, and maybe that's because it was such an ugly result. I'm not sure. But uh, moving on to other issues, because it wasn't just Vinatieri, as we mentioned on Sunday afternoon. Uh, what's your concern level like with, with Darius Leonard and what's been, I think, a pretty clear regression from who he was uh, in his rookie season as an All-Pro? Well, I need to, I really need to see next game to see if this was a fluke. I, I know his numbers are down. He's, you know, he's obviously had some injuries and whatnot, but the numbers he put up as a, as a rookie were so great, and I think he'll, he'll match him again someday. But what you, can't, what you can't do is say, okay, that's your bar, I mean, he he led the league in tackles despite missing a game, and 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 was most tackled by a rookie I think ever. And I mean, that was a historic season. And you can't say, well, that's your bar. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not fair. Yeah. No, you're right. It's not fair. Now, having said that, if he never reaches reaches it again, then you wonder well, what just happened. But what the thing that concerns me most is not the numbers, nothing like that. What concerns me most is that he had he was flagged twice, and really could have been flagged a third time for a late hit, unnecessary roughness. That in all three cases were unnecessary, and and this is not one of those meathead. Hey, it's football. What do you expect? No, no. The, the, in all three cases, the the tackle, the tackler, either someone else made the tackle, or the guy was going out of bounds, or the guy was sliding, or whatever the case may be. In all three cases, he didn't have to do it, and he wasn't going in full speed in a way that he couldn't veer off. He made a choice in all three cases to roll the dice and got caught on twice of them, two of them. And, and Darius Leonard's a smart guy, smart player, great instincts. He's. To do that once is, is is weird, but it happens. To do it twice might be a coincidence, but three times in a game, yeah. that tells me his head was somewhere not in a great spot, and I wonder if that whole game was a fluke or if that's something's going on with him. And just because those two flags might have been him going 58 and a 55 and getting pulled over, you still can't put yourself in that position if you're him. I mean, especially the one before halftime. That was three points. I want to say they were both – that's like going – they were going 64 and 55. Okay. Which is you think you're going to get away with it, you yeah. expect to get away with it, but you probably shouldn't go 64 and 55 if a cop is sitting in the weeds. Mm-hmm. And he went 64 and 55 and got pulled over twice. I, I'm not calling it 58. That wasn't – that's too nice. Offensive line-wise, we've seen them overwhelm lesser opponents. They had a lot of trouble the last two weeks with Denver and Pittsburgh. Everything okay with that group, or is that also a concern for you moving forward? You know, Braden Smith um, was such a revelation last year, and and this year I feel like because I take play by play, I literally write down every play, and if someone gets beat, I note note who got beat because mm-hmm. I never know what I'm going to write after the game. I've been writing Braden Smith getting beat an awful lot, an awful lot, 
And, and of course, Costanzo gets beat here and there, and he got beat the other day for for a bad sack. Nelson got pushed around. Nelson got pushed around a, a couple times. Uh, I'm not going to be worried about Nelson. That's I'm going to call that whether it's a fluke or yeah. just whatever. I mean, you, you don't you don't win every man to man. You don't win every battle every time. But but Braden. Braden getting beat a lot is what I'm would be concerned with, and then Glowinski getting called for I think three flags in a row. Mm-hmm. They declined one of them, but I think he was called for three in a row. Certainly, the Colts were called for three in a row, and I think on the fourth play, Deion Kane dropped a pass. It was just a terrible sequence. So yeah, I'm concerned with the offensive line, um, but not as concerned as I would be about Benetieri. I think Glowinski is the weak link in that line as far as I don't think he's a I think he's a stopgap I think you need to eventually upgrade that right guard spot but you're right the right side of the line has been I think pretty disappointing so far this year I would like to know also if the offensive line struggles and maybe I should know this but I just don't you know Ryan Kelly started the game obviously went out came back in and then left for good Mm -hmm. how much of the issues they had happened when he was on the field and off the field because he's not just a guy he's the guy in the middle and the guy calling out Josh Andrews is fine, but he's not Ryan Kelly. So I I, um, I don't mean to make apologies for the offensive line stinking, but we just should note that Ryan Kelly was in and out of the lineup, and I wonder at what point in the game they had issues. I thought, all things considered, Brian Hoyer played about as well as you could have possibly expected. The fact that this guy joined the team after the offseason, right? So he wasn't in camp with them, OTAs, minicamp, the whole thing, and has been kind of learning on the fly, hasn't had time to build a rapport. Look, I know the the pick six to Minka Fitzpatrick, he didn't see him and whatever. You know, that that was a bad play. It was a 14-point swing. But I thought overall, Greg, he was pretty decisive, and I thought that that's exactly the type of play that you want from your QB2 in that situation. The guy threw a pick six and lost a fumble on fourth down, and and both of them led to touchdowns directly in, in one case. Um, and yet... He played fine. Mm-hmm. That's how good he was, except for those two plays. That's how good he was. The overall ledger was, wow, okay. And his passer rating, he threw a pick six. His passer rating was about 105.9. Yeah. you know That's borderline Pro Bowl level if you do that 16 games in a row. So he, the Colts were so bad in so many ways on Sunday that Brian Hoyer threw a pick six and lost a fumble, and he's not the reason they lost that game. Yeah, and hey, three touchdowns, one interception. You guys love TD-INT ratio so much when you're when everybody's gushing about Jacoby Brissett. I guess we have to bring that up for Hoyer too, right? Three to one. I mean, that's over the course of a season. 20, 27 yeah. to nine. Twenty-seven to nine is a Pro I mean, Bowl it, season. It just shows that you know you gotta you can take all of the pieces of information, but you know you have to kind of add everything up instead of just looking at one thing. Um, Let's talk about Brissett and and how the Colts proceed here. It's an MCL injury. It's not as serious as feared, which is all good. It doesn't look like this is going to shelve him for more than a game or two. Um, That said, you've got Miami. You're coming back. You're at home. I I don't feel like the opponent is really relevant because I don't think that the Colts should overlook anybody, but how do you think the Colts are going to approach this on Sunday? Well, they've already – they should have lost the Broncos and did lose the Steelers. The Steelers are are decent, and it's in Pittsburgh, Mm -hmm. but they, they lost at home or should have lost at home, sorry, to Denver. So they can lose to anybody. And the Dolphins have broken the seal. They've won a game. So the, you're not catching a team coming in here that's given up and, well, we just can't win. So that they, they're they coming in on a high. As much of a high as they've had all year, they're coming in that high. So point of all that is the Colts can't afford to and never have really been, not under Ballard, not under Frank Reich. They've not been a team that says, we're going to give this guy – an extra week or two because we like the way the schedule rolls. We like the way this game looks. We like to get the fact there's an off week next week. We're going to give. We're going to buy him an extra week. If a guy's ready to play, they play him. So if you're asking me how the Colts are going to handle this, I'm not predicting Jacoby plays because I don't know. But I am saying that if he's cleared to play, 
he will play. As good as Brian Hoyer looked, they they don't sit guys out. They just don't do it. I, the first thought that I had when he went down was not, oh, God, you know, if he's done for the season and how it affects the 2019 Colts. The first thing that I thought of, Greg, was this sucks for the Colts and Chris Ballard trying to evaluate whether Jacoby Brissett's the guy. I mean, I think they need him to be healthy as much as possible because I think they need the next, certainly the rest of this season and, and maybe even the first half of next year to see if he's the long-term solution at quarterback. I do think that's also, and it won't be the factor, but is there weighing everything on do we play Jacoby or not Sunday? I think the fact that they're still trying to figure out who he is, mm-hmm. that you can't afford to give away a game. They've already, yeah. And I don't mean lose it. I mean, you just can't afford to not have him get those reps. You got to see him. And you obviously think he's your best quarterback. He wouldn't be starting. So I, every reason in the world for me, especially with the the AFC South is not going away. You know these other teams, Houston mainly. They're they're hanging around. The Colts have have had a chance to get a game or two ahead, and they just can't do it. Part because they lose, and part because Houston just keeps finding ways to win. You know what else is interesting, and we haven't really talked about this because I think we've felt all along like the AFC South winning that was their ticket in, and and the Colts I still think are going to win the division. I really do, but um, that wild card race is suddenly getting crowded because Pittsburgh we had left for dead at one and four. They're four and four now. Look at the Raiders, and they have the head to head tiebreaker. They're four and four. Um, there are a lot of teams that are now going to be in that mix if the Colts fall too much behind Houston um, for those wild cards. And, and Buffalo's at 6-2. and two. Well, and two teams have the tiebreaker because Pittsburgh has it too. Yeah, you're right. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So two, four, and four. So they they have to be a full game ahead of two different teams. So that, that doesn't bode well either. I do think they're going to win the AFC South too. With no J.J. Watt, I just – yeah. I mean, J- Watson's good enough that he's going to win some games they probably shouldn't win, but I just – I don't see the, it. The thing for me is that – Houston's got to go at Baltimore and play New England, and the Colts don't have either of those opponents. I, th- I think, honestly, that's the separating factor between the two teams. Right. I keep forgetting about the schedule. You're right. And Lamar Jackson, Baltimore, I mean, never mind. If you can beat New England, you you can. You just did beat anybody. Yeah. Like, I heard someone saying on ESPN, I think it was Ryan Clark was saying, hey, they – and he thought he was saying something kind of bold, and I don't mean to crap on him. I mean, I love Ryan Clark, but I think he said, they listen, this team, this team can beat anybody. And I'm thinking, they just beat the Patriots. They just did beat anybody. Yeah, they like, beat the undefeated Patriots. There's nobody better. Yeah. So they, they clearly can and will beat anybody. So they're going to beat Houston. So, yeah, I do like the Colts winning the division. But, my gosh, you, you asked about Vinatieri and what are they going to do with him. I don't know if we ever got back to that. Um, I thought critical mass would be reached if it happened this way, if he had a bad game and missed a game winner. I thought that would do it. I, I might even have said that to you last week. Is I, they're sticking with him, but if he misses a kick, loses the game, all bets are off. All bets are not off. They're sticking with him. I it's hard to even imagine this, but but if he has another bad game and or misses another and not a fifty one yarder, but misses a kick forties or less to win it, I it's almost like for PR reasons you almost as ha- as popular as he is as a guy you you I'm not it comes down to, to this for me does what does the locker room think and mm-hmm. and I think Frank Reich I know he knows his locker room if he truly believes that the players have faith in Vinatieri. And he does too. Then he'll stick with him. But the moment he thinks that the team feels like, listen, we love Adam, but this isn't fair to us, that's when they make yeah. the move. And what do we say? And I, I hate to keep. It feels like every single week, Greg, we're bringing up the Pagano era on the podcast. But what did we always say was the big criticism during the Pagano era? He doesn't hold players accountable, right? He wants to be everybody's friend, and you know he's going to bat for Trent Richardson and all these guys who you know don't deserve to be gone to bat for. And you wonder if that's going to happen here with Vinatieri. If he, I, I understand the respect level, and he's the greatest of all time, but I'm not really concerned with who Adam Vinatieri was in 2001 and 2009. I, I'm concerned with where, who Adam Vinatieri is in 2019. Yeah, and the, the every time Wright talks about Vinatieri after a loss or after a bad game, or in this case both, he 
he does sound in that moment just like Pagano. Mm-hmm. And you know, and we we like Frank. We like Frank off the field. We like Frank on the field. We think he's a great coach. All that stuff. And none of this military stuff changes any of that. However, if Pagano was the guy saying, if those quotes yesterday from Frank Reich had come from Pagano, if he was still the coach here, we would all be rolling our eyes. Yeah. All. Mm-hmm. Like, there he goes again. Now, you know, you, you get the benefit of the doubt or you don't based on your past. Pagano hadn't deserved the benefit of the doubt. We would have rightfully killed him. Maybe it's right that we're not crushing Frank too much because maybe he's earned the benefit of the doubt. You know, maybe he has. But I will just say, as, as I said to you just a minute ago, that that sounded just like Chuck Pagano. Yeah. And whenever you sound like Chuck Pagano, who we love – but when you're a head coach and you sound like him, that's not what you want to sound like. And optimism in rose-colored glasses, even Reich admits that sometimes he's too optimistic. And I think this is – I mean, he's, he said yesterday, Greg, that the kicking unit is one of the best in the league. And I'm just like, this kicking unit, the punting unit, the coverage unit, the return units, their special teams has been a total train wreck. I've, I don't think I've ever seen a team mess up a safety punt. How in the world do you mess up a safety punt? Yeah, you don't field it in the air. It's unbelievable to me. Chester, I I like him too, but boy, what a bad game he had. But, you know, Rigo, he's one of those guys that he he doesn't, he rarely kicks the ball as far as he can. He always, like a lot of NFL punters, he angles it. Mm -hmm. So he loses yards on the the gross, but he gains them on the net because you don't return them. And I was looking at his numbers a game or so ago thinking, is he a Pro Bowl kicker? And I just, I hadn't looked at the NFL leaders. And punting has come so far, so far. He's averaging like forty-five yards a punt, and his his, growth, his net is forty-one or something like that. And he's in the he's like twentieth in both. Yeah. He's an average NFL punter, which when you watch him, that doesn't look average. But apparently, it's it's gotten easier. I don't know how, but it has. So point is, he's the strength of the unit, and right now he's average. And I love Rigo, and but but right now the numbers say what they say. I feel like it'll be twenty thirty, and we'll be watching a Colts game, and it'll be you know new quarterback, new head coach, and everything, and we'll still be complaining about Chester Rogers, who somehow is still the fourth string wide receiver. Uh, and, and out there with the the return units. I mean, I don't. I don't he seems like a nice guy. Uh, Jake actually met his grandparents at the game when he was walking in the other day. And uh, you know, it's a great story that Chester Rogers has been able to carve out an NFL career. But sometimes I, I wonder, Greg. You know, what exactly does he provide this football team that he keeps having a role? Well, we saw him catch, I believe, forty balls for Pagano. Mm. I believe something like that. You know, I, I've always thought he was a better receiver. Certainly, he had a couple drops yesterday. That was or Sunday. That was not good. I always thought he was a better receiver than what his numbers say this year. I don't know if, if they don't believe him enough, not giving him any looks. They just want to get Paris Campbell the ball more. I don't know, but he's regressed. Whether he's literally regressed or the coaching staff just doesn't want to use him, that's kind of weird. Deion Kane. Um, Deion Kane doesn't belong on the field right now. No, he period. doesn't. And right, Paris Campbell's out with a broken hand. I'm sure T.Y. Hilton is out. They haven't brought in a receiver. You know what happened yesterday? Dante Moncrief got claimed on waivers by the Panthers. I saw, yeah. And I don't, I don't know. Are the Panthers ahead of the Colts? Do you think the standings? What you know what the record is? Uh, they are, I think, five and four. Maybe I'll, I'll look it up real because quick. Because the way it works is the 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 worst team in the league. If you're zero and whatever, you get mm-hmm. the first cho- chance on a waivers claim, and it goes up. So the Patriots now the 49ers, would have the last chance. Five and three. So I don't. And so five and three means they could be ahead of the Colts. Yeah. They could be behind the Colts. I don't know. I have to want, and we'll never know. Well, we'll know if the Colts picked first and passed up on Moncrief. But the, if the Colts hadn't gotten a chance yet, we'll never know. Would they have brought back Moncrief? Because they need a receiver. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I'm not a Moncrief guy. I don't love him at all. But you're out Paris Campbell. You're out T.Y. Hilton. Deion Kane can't hold on to the ball. You're out Funches. Yep. I mean, who's receiver? Ashton Doolin is nah. – and I don't say that in a mean way. But Zach he, Pascal. Well, Pascal. He's been killing it. But Doolin, 
is the only receiver on roster, and he's active every week because of special teams, but he's got to catch some passes too. Yeah, it's just a shame that you know you go in and Kane looked great. You saw it. I saw. We all saw it. He looked great in Westfield. Uh, Campbell, his tape and what he did at Ohio State was electrifying. But he's had some ball security issues. I do feel bad for Funches because Funches looked great in the first half of the Chargers game, and I think he would have been a good player. But you know, with the broken collarbone, what are you going to do? And then Hilton with the injury, it's just. Uh, that, that that unit, Greg, the wide receivers has been really bit by the injury bug. It feels like every year for the last couple of years. Yeah, it's but been what's, a problem. what's happened with Duron Kane? Oh, sorry, Dion Kane. <laughs> sorry about that. I just realized how close their names are together. Yeah. Now they have the same initials, Duron Carter, but Duron Kane. I I like Dion too. I and I I kind of part of me hates the fact that I keep softening everything I say in this room with you by saying, but I like that guy. But it's important to me that listeners and the way I write, that readers, listeners, whoever. That you know who you're listening to, mm-hmm. and you know what you're listening to, and what you're not listening to is a guy that doesn't like this guy or that guy, and so he's finding a chance to pile on him. I, if I like a guy, I'll tell you. If I don't, like Moncrief, I'll tell you. Deion Kane's great in that locker room. He's not Deron Carter. Deron Carter wasn't a bad guy. He just wasn't. He was meh. He was nobody to root for. Maybe not against either, but like whatever happens to him is fine. Deion Kane's a kid to root for, but yeah. man, right now he's struggling. I think Carter was born on third, thought he had a triple. I think that yes. was his problem because of his lineage and the whole deal. He thought, oh, you- oh I'm. I'm I'm the the BMOC and it's like, dude, you're a CFL guy. What are you talking? You're like the fifth receiver on this team. What are you talking about? And what people might not know, and I'm not going to say who, but Duran's dad, who uh, you know, obviously is a Hall of Famer, Chris, has been on the phone with some beat writers around here over not not this year, but back when Duran was you know mm-hmm. playing and not playing, getting released, and and we were talking about why is Duran Carter not better? His dad was hovering like a helicopter, hovering, mad, mad at us for writing what we were writing. Jeez. It's the worst. I mean, I, I guess I get it. If my son grows up and is an NFL player, maybe I'll be protective too. But the helicopter parents, oh. Uh, we got a lot of other things to get to today. I mean, it's such a huge news day yesterday, right? You had the Colts and the Vinatieri stuff, but then uh, really big news over at 16th and Georgetown, and you wrote about it in your latest column for the Star. Roger Penske taking over things at IMS, which is going to be, I, I guess, a little bit of a transition here, but starting in 2020, it's going to be full go. Um, you, along with a lot of other people, big fan of the move. Why is that? Well, the first when I first heard it, my first initial reaction, and they say, you know, blink theory, you go with your initial reaction, you ought to stick with it for the most part. My first reaction was, I hate this. Like, wait a minute, the, did George Steinbrenner just buy Major League Baseball? You know, did, <laughs> did, did Jerry Jones just buy the NFL? Yeah. This, this can't happen. Conflict of interests. All that. Yeah. I mean, because I've not, I mean, Roger Pinsky is, is a great guy and everybody likes him. I've never liked, when I was at CBS, I always crushed baseball and, and the Red Sox and the Yankees because I didn't like that they bought their way in. I mean, because you, you can you can afford to miss on draft picks and miss on free agents because in late July you're going to go out and trade for whoever. And in the offseason you're going to sign three guys for $300 million. It's just not fair if you're the Cincinnati Reds. It's just not fair. Well, that's kind of how Penske, and it's not his fault that he's rich, but that's how IndyCar's gone. Like he just, oh, Joseph Newgarden, you're really good for Chris Carpenter? Let me money whip you and you come over here and race for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's just not fair. So I, I've never I've never really – I've never written too much about Penske drivers because I just don't think it's fair. Uh, the, the the race team is just I mean it's it's like writing about an ACC basketball team that keeps beating up the Ivy League. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to give Coach K all that credit if you're beating Princeton. Not not doing it. So I, my first thought was I don't like this, but then I you know I thought about it for five more minutes, um, and then I talked to three people three people in the industry, and they helped inform my opinion, which is no, this is the best thing possible, and it's and I so what I wrote was that. And I mean it. I just because my first thought wasn't that. I, I didn't. My first thought was I didn't know. I didn't know. But holy cow, this is 
if this sport is going to be saved, and I still think it needs saving. I, I haven't tweeted out those words yet because I don't want to deal with the Twitter police. Oh, it's not save. You know, this sport needs. I'll say it here because they can't come at me here. This sport needs saving. It's not out of the woods yet. And there are. If you were going to say the any cars for sale and who's going to buy it, the first thing you'd say is, well, since Roger Penske's impossible, um, let's see who else we can get. But then if if you're telling me, wait a minute, Penske will buy it, that is the home run guy. And in fact, I thought the in a really fascinating, and I'll be done here in a second, but in a really fascinating press conference yesterday, the most interesting thing I heard, not, there was a lot there, the most interesting thing I heard was that Tony George said the family talked about it and decided we need to reach out to Roger Penske and try and sell this to him. Like, this wasn't even Penske's idea. Like he was handpicked. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we, we have taken, I mean, Tony George was crushed up there, but I love the fact that he could admit, as he admitted, we've taken this as far as we can take it. And they love the sport and IMS so much that they just don't want to, they don't want it to languish. Yeah. So what's the best thing for this sport and us? We're going to sell it to that guy. And that guy said, okay, I'll buy it. And I think it's a good thing, too, in the sense that um, the Speedway and the race are in a much better position than they were 10 years ago, where you know, you've gotten the crowds back to record size again. The snake pit is popping again. Like The Indy 500 is never going to be what it was in 1987 ever again. But it feels like it's they're maximizing what it can be now in 2019. And I think Doug Bowles deserves a lot of credit um, for, for kind of reshaping that because 10 years ago, man, it was – I know you weren't here yet. It was uh, – IndyCar looked like it might die, and the 500 itself was um, – it just wasn't good. Uh, it, it wasn't where it needed to be. I agree with you about the sport because it's the niches of niche sports. I mean, they're doing like a point four, I think, for a lot of those races on NBCSN. It's a little tiny audience. And people cannot say you, – what you can't do is look at the Indy 500 and see that they've done great and they have and say the sport's fine. No. That, that's like that's they're like they're almost looking, like separate events. They, they are. It's too big. You, yeah, you can't look at like golf when Tiger wasn't great. You can't look at Masters ratings and say golf is fine without Tiger. Mm-hmm. No, because no one's watching the other races, and that's how it is. In the five hundred, yes, but everything else, eh, not so and, much. And it's a shame because I think, and maybe this is me being a homer. I think the product is great. Like if you watch an Indy car race, I, I love oval racing. Even though some of the road street stuff can be entertaining, I love the oval racing. I think it's great action. I think it's way better than what you get in F one or um, or most NASCAR tracks outside of the little short track racing, which is built for stock cars. Um, but you just need to expose more people to it, and I think Roger Penske gets that. But I, I like what he said about breaking glass, and you talked about that on our show yesterday, um, not being afraid to do some innovative things instead of just keeping the status quo, but while also understanding that there are some traditions that uh, that people hold near and dear. You know, He was asked about uh, one tradition that, that has been divisive is, uh, automatic entries into the 500. Mm-hmm. If you're a full-time team, like Joseph Newgarden, for example, who's going to qualify, but if you're Hinchcliffe, should you have a place guaranteed, or should you maybe get bumped by, you know, to name someone, Pippa Mann, no. who races two races a year? Kyle race Kaiser, year. I think, bumped out Fernando Alonso, right? right so. Should that happen? Should, do we owe it to the teams that are full-time? And, and Penske was on board the last year's, yes, because at the time he was merely a coach. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sorry, merely a team owner. Yes, we deserve... You know, we do so much for the for the entries for the for the series, and our sponsors demand our guy races in this race. It's only fair for everybody. And if if this were a debate club, and you told me pick that side, you told me to, I could argue it. There's a lot there. I disagree with that. I think what's cool about the 500 is is there's there's 35 people for 33 spots. Period. 
and I, I don't want what I don't want to have is is almost like the uh, the playing game until the tournament. Yeah. I don't want to have a whole bunch of one, two, and three seeds, and then the the twelve and thirteen seeds play, fight it out. No, I want to see a thirteen seed fighting it out with the one seed to get in. But and Penske yesterday, sorry, Penske yesterday said, although he's on record as saying automatic entries is the way to go, he said yesterday that's not a decision he was going to make alone. And he certainly wasn't going to make it yesterday for the health of the sport. And this is like the one time that I'll be contrarian to because I love the Indianapolis 500 just like everybody else, and I hold a lot of the traditions near and dear. But if we're talking about the health of IndyCar, um, I agree with him that you need to have the people that carry the flag for the rest of the year in the race. It's one of those. It's one of those deals where I, I, I can't. None of us can predict the future. If you, if I knew for sure that that will hurt the sport, they will lose sponsors. This will hurt IndyCar. Then I'm not an idiot. Mm-hmm. Like don't cut my nose off just to spite my face. If that really will hurt the sport then don't do it let them have automatic entries i just kind of to me it sounds like it sounds like people that, that feel like hey i've my my daddy spent a lot of money what do you mean i can't have dinner here 100 percent. and if that's all it is i hate it but if you're right if it's gonna if, if the sport's safety is or, or, or security is on the line then clearly let them in but if i'm a sponsor let's say i sponsor hinchcliffe's car and i'm arrow and, you know, suddenly he's out of the 500. I know he's in St. Pete and Long Beach and all this other stuff, all these other races that draw like a .4 or a .7 rating. I'm thinking to myself, well, geez, I, I just wasted my money because I wanted to be in the race that people actually watch. I, I wanted that, you know. And maybe, you know, the counterargument to that is Hinch got a lot of exposure <laughs> during that week, right, when he got bumped out. So He did. I, I don't know. Maybe the sponsors feel like that um, – that that's okay, but those are, those are the two things that I would change. One would be I, I would allow full time drivers to have automatic entry, and two, I'd get rid of the urinal troughs because it's just the worst. <laughs> it's, it's the absolute. I don't know if you've ever been there. It's it's the absolute worst, man. It's uh, awful. I don't like standing next to twenty men. Oh, it's just it's with awful. no no barrier between us, no space between us, and the whole thing's awful. Twenty years ago, when I first went, I was a senior in high school, and I went with my dad, and we drove out from Connecticut, and you know he's always been a huge five hundred fan. And uh, I, we were in turn four, and it was about halfway through the race. And I was like, all right, Dad, I'm going to go up to the, the bathroom. And I walk in, and I had never been to Wrigley, so I'd never seen it before. But they were the double-facing troughs oh. back then. So literally the person in front of you no. was also no, – <laughs> And no, I was like, no, no. I'm good, man. Like, I I, I got to get out of here. Let's talk bathroom hygiene for a minute, too. <laughs> How about those people? And I know you're hit, some of you are listening right now. Don't ever do this again. You have your cup of coffee, your, your, your beer. You have yeah. your beer. You're going to pee. You you bring it with you because maybe you just bought it. You set it on top of the urinal, mm-hmm. and then you drink. And I realize there's plastic there. I just do you want to do you want? And I'm a guy that eats garbage. I eat hotel garbage. Mm-hmm. I get it. We all have standards. I also, if you can believe this, because Mike Wells busted me yesterday. I sit on a plane <laughs> and I wear one of those. Uh, those oh, do you really? Yeah. Those masks, yeah, you know, yeah, those surgeon yeah. masks. Sure. I, I'm a germaphobe who eats garbage, but I am not putting a drink <laughs> on a urinal that's been pissed on by thousands of strangers and just kind of hoping there's no transfer through the glass even if there is i don't want to touch the damn cup yep what are you doing people and there's all kinds of stuff on those urinals man not just urine oh there's on the top like stray hairs oh it's and terrible it's just it's really i'm not gonna get too graphic it's bad you just did but what <laughs> one thing i do want to say about indycar one change that penske needs to make is he needs to kick mclaren out and i'm, I'm being facetious you can't do that but mclaren sucks they suck. They ruined Alonzo a couple years ago or last year. They they're the reason Hinchcliffe is without a ride right now. Like McLaren, and I realize that's a great name in racing. And I'm not just like we're not talking about Vinatieri in 2001. We're talking about him right now. McLaren right now is a train wreck. McLaren right now is like that cockroach that kind of wanders across your 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 kitchen counter 
<laughs> and and disappears back into the wall. Stupid, doesn't know what it's doing, but just ruined it for everybody else. That's McLaren right now. So I if if I could do one ridiculous thing, I'd say McLaren, you're out. I'm fine with any of the teams, but they got to be in it. Like McLaren can't just be like, oh, well, we're McLaren, and then half-ass their way around. You and know what I mean? They, like that—that's the problem, right? That, that would be like Vinatieri, and it's not. But that'd be like Vinatieri being—I'm a Hall of Famer. I've won Super Bowls. I don't need to practice. Yeah, I'll just let me know what time the game is Sunday, and I'll be there. I might roll out of my sleeping bag, but I'll be there. No, no, no he's busting his ass. McLaren's like, hey, we're McLaren. We're just going to be great. No, you're not. It's—it's it's not that easy anymore. Like I said, we had so much to get to today. One other final thing that I wanted as we kind of wrap up here to fit in. Um, you're going down to Bloomington tonight, is that heck, right? Heck yeah. And we're, by the way, taping Tuesday morning. Um, just kind of your off-the-cuff thoughts on Archie Miller and your three in this roster. Well, this roster is not great. Um, it's, it, it's, his, it's his worst roster yet. And we know his first two seasons didn't go great. So if you look at it that way, you, you say, well, this team won't be terribly good. I mean, I, that's just the logical way to look at it. Now, Trace Jackson Davis is the wild card. McDonald's All-American and all that, when you're a 6'9 athlete, and I've written this in the summer, I saw him in an All-Star game, he's the kind of guy that against certain competition, even high school elite competition, he's just too good. And he just jumps, he dunks over everybody. Yeah. There comes a point that unless you're you know, Dwight Howard back in the day, there's some people you just can't dunk over. And is Trace Jackson Davis so good that even in college he's just going to dunk over everybody and score 20 a game? Cause he's just, or, or is he going to finally real, find out that, oh, okay, I can't do that here? High school big it happens. Mm-hmm. There are high school big men that are dominant. They get to college and they can't dunk on everybody. But there's other ones that are so good they keep dominating. Trace Jackson Davis, uh, we'll find out what he is. But if you can dominate six ten guys in college, then they're going to be okay. Because uh, one more thing about Armin Franklin, I like it. I love admitting when I'm wrong. I don't know if I told you this or somebody else, but whether it's high school games, I saw him, or all star games, the numbers he put up, or the a scrimmage here and there. I never saw, like, I know the numbers he put up in Cathedral, but I never, in person, never saw, like, what is he? Mm-hmm. You know, he's obviously a Big Ten player, but is he good or is he just a Big Ten player? Well, he's been the revelation of training, of preseason. The revelation, playing a position out of position, he's been, so clearly he is something special. Well, I don't know about special, but he's he's clearly good. I'm looking forward to seeing him tonight. Yeah, they're going to need those two freshmen to really be good because I, I think when you look at the upperclassmen, um, you just have a bunch of C-plus guys. Like, Devontae Green is is fine. Al Durham is whatever. Justin Smith is a fine player. But none of those none of those guys are A and B players. I'm going to tell you this, and I, I could be wrong. I was wrong about Franklin, I guess, although I didn't, hadn't really seen much of him. But Devontae Green will play in the NBA. I'm not saying he's going to be an 82-game-a-year guy, but at a minimum, he's going to be on a team's roster on a 10-day – you'll see him in the NBA someday because he he's a bucket getter. And he's a, I mean, he's out of control – but he is a just like we saw Troy Troy uh, Williams in yeah you're right and yeah. granted Williams has a different body I get that but he just got arrested did he mm-hmm. is he, he out got, of the league? he's out of the G League now he was on the Suns I think G League team okay. and got popped for I, I don't remember what the charge was but he was released after that that's too unfortunately. bad unfortunately but Devontae Green is I'm not I'm not equating to Troy in that way but he's got enough talent mm-hmm. he he has NBA talent. He just doesn't have control and doesn't have a lot of size, but he has NBA skill. Yeah, and when he's good, he's really remember that that rally against Ohio State in the Big Ten tournament. That was like all Devontae Green. He took yeah. over that game. Um and he, he has the ability to do that. So Greg in Bloomington tonight, you can check out his columns right now, Vinatieri and then um the Roger Penske IMS deal from and, yesterday. And the Kenny Moore we talked about last That's week right. just a little yeah. bit. Kenny that was Moore, a great one. In fact, I came in last week, we spoke, we sat here and talked. I was in a high because I just interviewed Kenny on the on the phone. And it's been up for several days, but that is I've told you before. I think I 
he is my favorite pro athlete. Yeah. And I just mean as a human being. He's like, and there's a bunch of great ones, great people. But if, if I had to rank my pro athlete guys that I've enjoyed covering because of just who they are as a human being, Kenny's number one. Yeah, and that one's worth your time as well. IndyStar.com, IndyStar app, at Greg Doyle Star on Twitter, at Schultz975, Afternoons, Fox Sports 1260. And we'll talk to you guys next week. See ya. If I can figure out how to open the door on the way out. That would be helpful, yes. 